Fernando Alonso, congratulations on your victory in the six hours of Spa. For sure, this was a learning experience for us, I guess, and uh, sure, it's not ideal, but uh, you have to look at the positives. But you won. Sure, yes, we did not expect so much coming here, but we are making progress, and uh, we just have to look forward to the next race. No, seriously, Fernando, you won. To be honest, it is disappointing, but I have no regrets, and we just hope for improvement the next time. Fernando, again, you won. You came first. You were the victor. In a few minutes, you're going to stand on the top step of the podium. I'm sorry, I don't recall any of this terminology. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed with Gary, Rick and Paul. That's not right, is it, Paul? Sounds sounds like we're some kind of 80s boy band. Yeah, Gary, Rick and Paul. Hey, Rick, how's it going over there? (laughs) Pull out post and look in magazine. (laughs) I start with something that's incorrect, because I'm never Gary. Yeah, I have many things. I'm still sometimes Gaz. I'm often Gar, but I am Gareth. You are occasionally Paul, but not to me, Zog. You're always Zog. I'm always Zog on the show. Yeah. And you're never Rick, are you? No, no, I'm not, no. That's just wrong, isn't it? And similarly, the way that the six hours of Spa was reported over the last weekend was completely wrong as well, because all over the press it said, Alonso wins the six hours of Spa. Well, hang on a second. Alonso did win the six hours of Spa. He was but one of the people. Why they said it. Yeah, that's what I think. Go, 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 come on. He no, was no, no, one no. of the people. He, he had to. He did he, not win it alone. No, he didn't win it alone. But he did start the race for Toyota. I have, yeah. And he finished the race for Toyota. Yep. And the car that he was driving won. The prosecution rests, my lad. But this is a team sport. You know, it's about three drivers, or in some cases two drivers, sharing a car, sharing the skills, helping each other, and working as a team. You're not competing against the other guys in your team. So to say Alonso won it is only partly correct. Alonso was part of the team. That's like saying George Best won the football championship of 78. A goal by George Best won the championship for Manchester United. And it was the only goal. Manchester United back in the day then that's how headlines work you you seize on the juiciest bit of information if Alonso pulled his weight in this car who were the other two people in there do you know Zog I'm trying to um, uh, Kamui Kobayashi Buemi and and, uh, uh, not Kobayashi uh, but the other one you see even I'm struggling here these people have made the mistake of sharing a car with Fernando Alonso and well, yeah, as such back to the point. Nakajima, Nakajima. Uh, Nakajima. Yeah. sure if you had a paragraph to explain it or if you had you know, yeah. a, a nice beefy sentence mm-hmm. you would say that Toyota won the six hours of Spa yeah, and did, yeah. one of the three drivers was Fernando Alonso yeah. but that's but not there's a, a reason why that's... headlines don't usually go right now bear with me <laughs> are meant to be punchy. There you and go. Yeah. I'd say that Alonso, Alonso helps six, Toyota six win. I think it's an accurate headline yeah. within the parameters. You know, mm. it's yeah, it's an accurate headline. Come but, on. but of course, other people if, won at the six hours as well because it's not all about LMP one. In fact, it's not really about LMP one this year as well. Do you know about the super season? Do you know about this? How it's playing out this year? It's a longer season yeah. to sort of manage the transition from basically a summer to a winter series. Yeah, the plan is to make Le Mans the final race of the season. 
in the future. And yeah. so to get there, we have to have a season and a half, which means that we have Le Mans as the second race of this season and the final race of this super season. It straddles the winter. Then from then on, from next year, it'll be a 12-month season that starts at Spa and ends at... No, starts... Yeah, I think... Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, it'll finish at Le Mans anyway. The point is that that season will... The, in future seasons, this will season finish at Le Mans. At Le Mans. Sorry, no, this, this season so, starts at Spa. This season starts at Spa. Yeah. We're not sure about the next one. Yeah, yeah, correct. Which is kind of a clever way, because you get two Le Mans in this season. Sorry, is, hang on, what? Richard, Richard, yeah. Richard, sorry, okay. you're making it sound like Le Mans is going to be 12 months long. This, <laughs> this super season starts with Spa, with the six hours of Spa. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and Le Mans is race. somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. But it runs on then, so long, it gets back. So, in fact, you've got two spas as well. You've correct. Got two, yes. Two spas, two Le Mans. Yeah, correct. And two spas. Yeah. But we've got there be two spas. And two Le Mans. There are two, yeah. there are two yeah. Le Mans in the Super yeah, Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't realise that. Yeah, Hang yeah. on, you didn't realise that, but you were explaining it. I know. <laughs> That's why I was How confused. badly qualified was I to do that? <laughs> <laughs> So it's a mega, <laughs> mega season. I knew so much about the start of the season, so little about the end. <laughs> I was doing it the other day. I didn't say what it was about. It was something to do with work, where I was with someone I work with who was vociferously arguing a point against the point I was trying to make. And we were getting not... I wasn't getting heated, but I was going, no, 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 no it shouldn't be that. And he's going, yeah, it should be that. And I went, but you don't know what you're talking about. And he went, no, you're right, I don't. Fair <laughs> play. Well, and he was, you know, he, he he was should... bluffing it. He was totally you bluffing should... it. And I was well, suckered in until he gave himself away because he just sort of said to me it didn't make sense. But it's brilliant. I sort of quite admire when people well, dig in that trenchantly when they don't know what the hell But also, but, but, but you should admit it when you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. well done you for pulling him up on it and well done him unless you're drunk it. when you're talking because you don't know you don't know what you're talking about you think there you, you probably do and so that's allowable yeah. yeah yeah. but what did you make of the GT ah, category because well, it seems like that maybe they haven't got the balance of performance quite right for the Ferraris they were maybe a little bit slow they should be well it went down to the line the GT race was truly entertaining both GTE classes Pro and Am yes in the Pro category the Fords were still way ahead of the others. But it was great entertainment. The tussle for second and third in the pro category was spectacular. And the new Aston Martin Vantage, what do they call it, the Vantage? The um, The Vantage. The Vantage, sorry, I doubt myself suddenly. The new Vantage in its lime, yellowy, green colour. It's a yellow, it's more of a sort of Mm. like a fluorescent yellow, day glow yellow. It's like the brawn colour. It's very, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen, in recent years, how many bad colour schemes have you seen on a racing Aston Martin? Because they just seem to look fantastic in everything. Mm, that's true. You know, that sort of British racing green colour they had looks fantastic. Yeah. Gulf colours look fantastic. Yeah. The day glow yellow thing looks amazing. Have you seen the road car fancies? Obviously, they do them in that citrusy somehow colour. But have you seen, if you can have one in, there's a grey they do, tremendous dark grey, and then you can have the rear diffuser just sort of picked out in that violent marker pen colour. It looks tremendous. Is this the the AMR version of the van? No, no, because I haven't announced an AMR one. AMR is going to be a rapide, the old V8. But I had a quick go in that new Vantage the other week. Did you know? uh, Only a quick go, so I can't speak with much authority about it, but I think you sometimes get a vibe off cars and you just, particularly, you know, I've been doing this for years and you sort of start to know what to look for and feel for in a car. You just get a sense of whether something's any good or not. Mm. And it felt absolutely fantastic. It just feels quite sorted out. It also has 
the lowest seat height adjustment of any car I've ever been in. Because, you know, I'm quite tall and quite leggy. Is you it, it on, on the, the undersill? <laughs> sometimes you go, oh, hello, I'm still going down, I'm still going down. And I'm thinking, my eye line is sort of going down, I feel like I'm going below the dashboard. Hey, you're, nice. tall, you're a tall Yeah, so I'm 6'3", and I'd never normally have that sensation yeah. in cars. And you keep going down, you're like, I'm pretty sure my arse is now poking through the bottom mm. of the car. It must mm. be a very tall car, then, to achieve It's that. weird, I don't know how they've done it, but mm. I've never experienced anything like it. And it's to the point where usually I always have the seat on the floor as low as it'll go. Mm. And this, I was like, oh, I need you to go up a, a bit. Yeah, yeah I'm bring this back well. up a bit, yeah. You liked that, didn't but, you? Well, that was just a bit... It's quite, Novelty? It's quite novel, but yeah. anyway, it felt tremendous. And I hope those racing ones do good things, because it feels like they should for no reason at all, except that I like it as a car. I like yeah. the way it looks, and on a brief acquaintance, they I like quick. the way it drives. Yeah. Drived. Drive. I meant can't... Droven, sorry. Yeah, Droven. correct. That's, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drovenen. Drovenen. No, Drovenen. He's, a, he's a Finnish rally driver. <laughs> yeah, he was. Mika Drovenen. You know. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the race I was talking about in GTE was a tussle between the Aston Martin racing team, which was Dalalana, Lamy and Matthias Lauda, being chased by the TF Sports Aston Martin. TF Sports are new to the category and they were right on the tail. It was as if they had mimicked each other's strategy and tyres and everything. It, it couldn't have been closer. Do you remember how close the GT was at Le Mans last year mm, to fantastic. the last lap? Yeah. It was even closer than that. And amazingly satisfying, deeply, deeply satisfying. In a way that LMP2 wasn't. LMP2? Uh, it just. Whew, it just left me. I don't know why LMP2 is. It, it, it also, I mean, for me, that stuff in you, I've always have a bit of a hard time getting as excited about LMP2 as I do mm. about LMP1 or the GT cars. I just kind of skip over the middle bit. I know a lot of people say there's tremendous racing in there yep. but it just doesn't engage me so much although I absolutely loved as a huge Jackie Chan fan I was very happy to see Jackie Chan's cars doing so well last well, year th- th- uh, at one point it looked like they could have won outright last year yeah, at yeah. one point I mean that was something it was a, it was a possibility and it may yet happen again this year because the LMP1 field as you know is decimated with the exception of Toyota the only people running hybrids but it's much stronger than honestly I was expecting it was going to be when we learned that there was going to be no Porsche this year and no sign of Audi coming back and Toyota were the only remaining hybrid manufacturer mm. in the game you know I had quite a negative feeling about how the field was going to yep. be this week and I was you know wasn't sure how excited I was going to be going to the race this year but I think they've done a very good job of getting together you know what is a much stronger LMP1 lineup than certainly I was expecting mm. and they seem to have got the balance between the hybrid and the non-hybrid cars probably about right not I mean, exactly it's tricky I've been reading well, it, a... it is tricky because, yeah well, look the Toyotas are quicker yeah and more um, fuel efficient. But they probably should be quicker, even if you were able to perfectly kind of balance these things out, mm. which you never can. But if you were able to get like a perfect parity between the Toyota hybrid and the non-hybrid LMP1 cars, in a way that wouldn't seem quite right to me. The way that the non-hybrid teams see it is that they think it's like entering Formula One where Ferrari is still allowed to run V12s and they've got to run V6 turbos. You know, that's how they see it. There's such a difference. But Toyota have gone to the trouble of yeah. designing and building yeah. and maintaining and running this thing that is much more complicated than yeah. what the other teams are doing. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't Encouraged think it's unreasonable to, to yeah. allow them a slight edge for that. Well, at the moment, it was a sort of a lap and a half advantage over the six hours between the Toyota and the non-hybrid LMP1s. Also, 
though, the FAA kind of let the side down by one of their data logging units on one of the rebellions failed. So poor old rebellion had to come into the pits and change that unit so they could carry on racing and lost a lap and a half because of that through no fault of their own because the well, FAA would argue the Toyota, it's the same for everyone. Yeah, one of the Toyotas also lost out at the very start of the race through something that in a sense wasn't their fault. Yeah. I can't remember the details of it. It was some kind of administrative thing to do with a fuel flow meter that hadn't been sort of documented properly. Something like this mm. and mm. They ended up well, starting from the pit lane. From the garage. What you then had was the number seven Toyota starting from the back of the field and having to drive all the way through the field. And ultimately, in right. the last few laps, caught up with Alonso, who happened to be the only driver in that car. I think, is that right? And well, it seems he was in it when you brought it up. So <laughs> started to think there was no one else yeah, around. And it doesn't seem like a bad idea to have hired Alonso on Toyota's part, got but, to say. But then Toyota said, hold station. You're not allowed to pass. Yeah. Which is rotten, because in a season, a super season, if you like, one and a half seasons where there's only one pair of cars running in the hybrid category, you should at least allow those two to race. So I feel not only have we denied proper ultimate endurance car technology racing by Porsche and Audi, both having pulled out recently, but we're now denied racing at that high level well, in this last example anyway, by the remaining team, which I'm really quite angry about. Grr, that's me angry. Do you ever yeah, heard me I mean, angry? I've got some sympathy with that. I mean, I, yeah, I think it would have been better if Toyota had let them race. But it doesn't offend me quite as much as you, I think. Yeah, but I'm it, upset because it's going to last a year and a half. And I can't see them changing their mind. You can understand why Toyota have been so conservative. This is their only chance to win Le Mans. They, right, and, I mean, well, no, they've and, got and, two chances on account of it being a thousand hours long or something. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah good rules. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. How would it look if, in those last couple of laps, they hadn't told them to hold station, mm-hmm. and they'd fought over the position, and teammates had come together? Mm-hmm. A subject that we may be talking about later on in the show. We might mention that. Um, yeah. That would have been. Great entertainment. Yeah, but given all the heartbreak that Toyota fans have suffered in the last couple of years of seeing them in endurance racing, to have teammates take each other out in the last lap of a race that they were about to come one and two in, that's pretty you know, so I can't give the team bosses a hard time for saying, OK, hold station, get those first two podium places. Mm. I can't criticise them for that. I know they've got to be yeah. conservative. Who it's a business. Driving so you the, the second car? Mike Conway. Also a lump, so yes. Mike Conway. Okay, so he's only in question. I was thinking, yeah. if they went, no. Yeah, it would, it news then. If it had been past Leonardo, you'd say, yeah. don't go anywhere near him. You know, just. Although, well, what I'm wondering yeah. is, is that someone back. who's obviously done a great job, or a team who's done a great job of carving through the field to get up to yeah, the yeah. chaff of the, the leading car, yeah. but then if they've gone, it's a free for all, do what you can, whether Alonso would have gone, eh, eh. <laughs> and stepped it up because I believe that Fernando Alonso is quite good at driving and I've I think this, he yeah. might have been able to hold off the threat anyway well the trick is to win the race by the smallest margin yeah. so maintain right. your lead and maintain just a safe gap to the next LMP1 car which for much of the time was, was the rebellion, rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and ultimately because of their delays and the over competitiveness if you like of the hybrid cars it enabled them to leapfrog the rebellions but there should have been more LMP1 cars in this race did you hear what happened to the Manor team well, I say the Manor team. Do you know what they're actually called? Oh, the, yeah, they've got oh, a... I can't remember. I'm going to read it because I cannot remember it. There are some letters in it. They're called CEFC TRSM. Yeah, I knew there were a lot of them. For short. 
which stands for the China Energy Company Limited Talent Racing Sport Manor. That's the name of the team. They're not joking. Manor, who have done a deal with a Chinese agency who are trying to promote motorsport in China, have got a sponsor from a Chinese energy company and therefore have retitled, but they all want their name in the title. So that's the name of the team. And here's where it all goes the shape of a pair. This is the announcement that was made on the day of qualifying, I think it was. This was the official press release. It is with great disappointment that we have to announce that Ginetta will not be releasing the two LMP1 cars that successfully ran at the FAA WEC prologue at Paul Ricard earlier this month. China Energy Company Limited. Unfortunately, funds promised have not arrived from TRS China to CEFC TRSM Racing UK. The required funds for Ginetta were due some time ago. I like that. That's some time ago. Slightly angry. And whilst we understand that TRS China has been working with its sponsors to sort the issues without payment, Ginetta cannot allow the cars to race. Ginetta remains committed to working with CEFC TRSM Racing UK on this programme. We're aware that CEFC TRSM Racing has visited TRS many times in China and can also confirm that TRS have visited Ginetta three times recently, the last time to attend a royal visit. What? This is extraneous I, information. It's yeah, great, that, isn't it? definitely extraneous, yeah. It's, it's great. They promised some cash. They haven't got the cash. They're yeah. going yeah. out to play. Yeah. And because it's, they can't sort of send the boys around, it's yeah, press yeah. release saying, we haven't been paid, yeah. is yeah. not a bad way. More angry than I am about no racing in LMP1. We've been informed by TRS that the current situation is a short-term cash flow yeah, problem. Yeah, the check's in the post. Yeah. And they say main funds are in place for payments before Le Mans. We'll see. Well, let's hope so. Hmm. But in better news, yes. in better WEC news, Jensen Button. That's oh, yeah. good news. Yeah. I'm chuffed that he's going to be joining the circus. I think that's going to be tremendous to see you. Paid for by Russians. Yeah. I just like anything that goes, in better news, Jensen Button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you might see it on the weather. Now, tomorrow, I'm afraid it's going to be quite rainy across Jensen the country. But for Thursday, better news. Jensen Button. Okay. <laughs> that is good news. Everything's better with Jensen Button. Everything's better with Jensen Button. Everything's better with Jensen Button. Yes, everything's better with Jensen Button. Except for McLaren. Except for McLaren. A couple of weeks ago, I had a rather nice little Hyundai delivered to the front door of my house and set off to the Midlands to drive it. Unfortunately, that journey didn't start as I hoped it might. Gareth Jones on speed on the road! This trip that I'm doing at the moment isn't going exactly as expected. I don't know what it is about Hyundais. But the last time I left home in a Hyundai, I ended up adding three hours to the journey. Not for any fault of a Hyundai. It was, I'd left my computer at home, so I had to backtrack and get my computer and carry on my journey that way. And this time, I've left my home in North London, heading towards the M1, heading north towards Birmingham. 
and just before I get to the bottom of the M1 on the North Circular, there's an almighty bang, and I thought I'd hit a pothole or something, but I don't remember seeing a pothole, so I pulled over in the first available opportunity, which was a garage, mercifully, just a couple of hundred yards away from where I heard the bang, and had a look at the tyres, and I could see that the pressure on the front right tyre had given up the ghost completely so I put quid in the machine put some air in it and all I could hear was a great rush of air now that tyre was not going to retain pressure so I went into the boot pulled out the space saver and slammed well was in the process of slamming it on you know got the jack on got four of the five nuts undone and then realised that the fifth nut was a locking nut and I didn't know how to unlock it. It was a bit stupid. So I was scratching my head looking at this. A very nice biker came over and said, you all right, mate? Do you need a hand? I said, well, yeah, I just need to get this tyre looked at. So you don't know of a tyre place nearby, do you? He said, yeah, how about that one there? He pointed to a quick fit, which I could see from the forecourt of the garage that I was in, in Golders Green in North London. So, brilliant. I was able to roll there very, very gingerly. And the guys at the quick fit looked at the tyre and showed me that the sidewall had absolutely blown, just failed, split. Don't know why. And that a new tyre replacement, which they had in stock, which I'm amazed about, would come to about 300 quid, including fitting and alignment. So, gulp. Solid hard and realised I had to do it. And then they inspected the other tyres, bless them, fair play, they did a thorough check of the car and found that one of the rear tyres had a really great nail diagonally through the carcass. Not even the tread, but right into the carcass. They said, sorry mate, that tyre's a goner. This car's only got 2,000 miles on it. And so the total cost, just shy of 600 quid, 560 quid or thereabouts. But fair play, the guys did it in 45 minutes. They were very communicative, they did a thorough job, and now I'm on my way. Hooray, at last. I haven't even told you what the car is, have I? And the car is a Hyundai i30N Performance. So this is the sportiest of the sporty i30Ns you can get, with an electronic limited slip differential and 19-inch Pirelli P0s, which is why they were nearly 300 quid each. Ouch. But there you go. You drive a performance car, then it gets a bit expensive. Not just fuel, but as you know, brake pads and tyres and all that. But to be fair, for the performance you get from this car, which is remarkable, is it something like 6 seconds, 0 to 62, and top speed of 155? in a Hyundai. <laughs> I like Hyundai, as you know, I'm a big admirer of their gall, their chutzpah, their ability to take on the giants like Toyota, as I've explained previously. And in this case, you could argue that they're taking on Volkswagen because this car is sort of Directly, yeah, directly comparable to a Volkswagen Golf. It costs about twenty-nine thousand pounds. I think the Golf's about thirty grand, isn't it? 
GTI and it's very much the same sort of thing an ultra performance turbocharged two litre five door hatchback I think it's got 275 brake horsepower this car which is rather good and lots of adaptability lots of customization um, there are a great number of buttons and dials on this car that I can mess with which I haven't become familiar with yet because quite frankly I've only driven about eight miles in this car it was delivered to my house to the day sat outside for a day and then I get in it to drive up to Birmingham to find some nice roads to go driving on in Staffordshire where it's nice and quiet and bang pop so I've lost a bit of valuable road time but I will get there eventually and I will drive this car I've heard great things about it people go oh yeah i30n oh yeah eyebrows raised yeah that's a corker so we'll see my initial impression is based on my son's reaction or one of my sons Tycho the oldest of my two children when the car was delivered I took Tycho about two miles away to a, an event that he had to go to and gave him a ride in the car and engaged sport mode in the car to see what that was like and it pops and crackles and bangs but I'm not entirely certain if that really is the car doing it or it's the Hyundai sound synthesis system try saying that with mine and Violet's lisp by the way the Hyundai sound synthesis system <laughs> so it does make all sorts of crazy sounds some of them are real not all of them but you have to be in sport mode for that and then there's sport plus mode which is sort of racetrack mode which I don't know if I'll get a chance to enjoy and like the Focus RS that I drove this thing has got launch control so maybe if I do go on the Midland Expressway toll road if I leave the toll gates I might be able to experiment with launch control there but so far initial reaction lovely yeah my son loved it but Tycho was very excited by it want he liked the color he liked the sporty low ride height he liked the massive 19 inch wheels he really really was excited by it do you know what I'm just thinking the last sporty hatchback overtly sporty hatchback I drove for Gareth Jones on speed was the Seat Leon Cupra that I had and I picked up a puncture in that car within five miles of leaving home maybe it's just a symptom of driving a car with ultra low profile tires probably and this car is not unlike that you know okay, of course that Seat Leon Cupra is basically a Volkswagen Golf GTI plus you might say so they are comparable but that car left very little impression on me the Cupra I drove it went to somewhere like Lowestoft I think or, or Norwich in it somewhere that way and quite enjoyed it but it didn't leave an impression on me however this car's already left an impression on me because of my expectation and my expectation of this is it's a Hyundai how can it be amazing I don't mean that as an insult 
to Hyundai, but Hyundai makes some great cars. Do they make overtly sporting cars? Well, not up to now. So, I guess, you know, it's like paying not very much for something. You'll get more out of it than something you pay a fortune for. If you pay a fortune for it, you expect it to be great. Buy something that's cheap and cheerful, and it's really good, then you love it more. Do you get my meaning? Yeah. Ooh, I just came up alongside, uh, well, behind, uh, a Hyundai Ionic, which was the last Hyundai I drove, which uh, you'll know from episode 335. Which one is it? The hybrid. I wonder if he's actually driving, or she's actually driving that car of using the autonomy that car is, or semi-autonomy that that car is equipped with. This car, they haven't read the handbook, if I'm honest, and I haven't inspected the levels of driver assistance that this car comes with. Yes, it does have lane keeping. I see the button, yeah. And yes, it does have adaptable cruise that you can set your speed and distance. But this isn't the sort of car that you want to do that with, really. This is a car, a very, very much a driver's car. So I shall very, very much drive it. Not on the M1 at the moment, which is Saturday afternoon, reasonable amount of traffic. I'll wait till I get some nice Midlands A roads because that's what this thing was designed for. So I shall very, very drive it there. There, I think we've just coined a new phrase. Very, very driving. What are you doing this weekend, Gareth? Oh, I think I'll do some very, very driving. Listen to that four-cylinder fruitiness. I do like the fruity sound of a four-cylinder engine. I'm driving around what used to be Warwickshire. Um, it's not anymore. It's counted as part of Solihull. And uh, I've been staying with my friend Vince last night. And I just took Vince out for a drive in this car. And Vince used to have a Mark I Golf GTI, which was called Chip all those years ago. Yes, it had a name, and it had a name because it had a security system retrofitted to the car. And in those days, back in the 80s, when you activated the security system, it went chip, chip, chip. And so his car was called Chip. So Vince knows the pleasures of a sporting hatchback, and namely the Volkswagen Golf GTI and when he got in the car Vince noticed the high spec of this i30N uh, N performance to give it its full title and that it comes with all sorts of bleeps and burbles just stopping to let a Land Rover past Richard would approve lovely Defender long wheelbase safari nice and um, Vince noticed the camera the sat nav the quality of the seats they really are great seats by the way they're proper comfortable full supporting sports seats with a suede finish you get a lot for your money just slowing down as I go through the village and there's a motorcyclist 
and yeah we went for a quick thrum up the road Vince and I and we went round a couple of roundabouts and like all fast grippy cars when you see a roundabout you go round it twice don't you so that's what we did and Vince who's quite used to driving around in quick cars with me was genuinely impressed at the uh, lateral traction is that the right word the ability that this car has to if I'm going to go around this roundabout here here we go the, the ability that this car has to go around roundabouts and just hang on it's got this limited slip diff at the front and look at that amazing when you come off the roundabout the way it just adjusts you know from one extremist to the other there's no body roll I am in N mode at the moment actually not even sport but N which is sport plus and it's customizable I haven't bothered to customize it I've only been driving this car 24 hours really and you need an awful lot more time than that to come to terms with the sort of detail changes that you can make to this car but you've got to say it's incredible <laughs> sounds like a sports reporter you've got to say it's incredible yeah it really is really is I was describing the Ionic as the South Korean Prius and I suppose that makes this the South Korean Volkswagen Golf GTI. But the truth is, this isn't a South Korean car. Hyundai might be a South Korean company, but the car, designed in Germany by Albert Biermann, who used to be the head of engineering at BMW M division. And, of course, the man who's Peter Schreier, is that his name? The head of design for... Hyundai was with the VW group and the car was engineered in Russellheim so there's not much very Korean about this car other than the money that paid for it rather like Apple the money that paid from it is harvested in America in California and the technology is built in China so it's a truly multinational company now Hyundai and I think I've said this before on the programme, we used to think of Honda as a Japanese company, but they're not. They're a multinational company, and I say that because Honda build more cars outside of Japan than they do in Japan. And the money is harvested from all over the world, it's just managed in Japan. Just coming up alongside a Hyundai i20 here a slightly older generation one but I was thinking am I Thierry Neuville when I drive this car the fantastic Belgian rally driver who drives for the Hyundai World Rally team but I'm not sure if I am despite the fact that this car has probably got a lot of tech that's been influenced by what they can do with their rally cars or experience gained from rallying the key difference is that the Hyundai rally car is the i20 and this is the i30, a bigger car. There is a trend, isn't there, in rallying at the moment for the rally cars to be based on the smallest hatchback in the range. For instance, Toyota are using their Yaris, aren't they? So, you know, a few years ago it would have been a bigger car, sort of a Golf Focus class. Now, Ford used the Fiesta 
Hyundai use the i20 and Toyota use the Yaris. Sorry, I have to pause when I'm driving this car just to listen to the engine pop and crackle. Um, the beam, oh, that's an I-Pace. Was that an I-Pace? Oh, no, E-Pace. Just saw an E-Pace going the other way. I am in Solihull and actually it was announced a couple of days ago that Jaguar Land Rover were going to lay off or make a thousand people redundant because of the change to perception of the diesel engine and many of the cars that Jaguar Land Rover make are diesel engined. That's changing of course because the I-Pace has got no engine at all, it's got an electric motor but no engine. But I have to say it's lovely, I have to say, using the sport terminology again, I am enjoying a petrol engine. This is a very fruity, willing engine. The 0 to 62, i.e. 0 to 100 kilometers time, 6.1 seconds for the performance edition of this car, which is the one that I'm in. And I don't doubt that for one microsecond. It is as quick as anything. Yeah, Vince said, are there any cars actually faster than this? And he's got a point, you know, ultimate speed, driving something like a V12 Aston Martin, which has a top speed of, I don't know, 186 or 205 miles per hour, or even that Porsche that I had, that had a top speed of 168 miles per hour, lithe and quick. But when are you ever going to get to those kind of speeds? Whether it was legal or not, it might not be safe. What I like about this car is the stability at usable high velocities. The ability to grip and stick and go like I think I can say that. This car goes like And that's a compliment, isn't it? That's a compliment. Yeah, it impressed me. I haven't had as much time driving this car at tremendous velocities as I would have liked to. But that's okay, because I'm sure there will be other cars in future from Hyundai which match this thing for its ability to impress at reasonable prices. Really. Yeah, um, I think the future is very bright. I actually look forward to the Hyundai Genesis range when we finally get it here. The Kia Stinger has been very well received. And I like the idea of this kind of technology being applied to a big GT car. And I would love, love, love to have a big shooting brake with this kind of performance built by Hyundai. That would be something to look forward to. I'm going to have a word with my friends at Hyundai and say, go on, make us a shooting brake. Go on, go on, please. And call it the GT. I'd call it the Hyundai Gas Top. <laughs> It's a turbulent time for British agriculture, but how is life in 2018 for British farmers? To find out, I'm hearing writhing in agony with local farmer Paul Knott. Mr Knott, is it feasible to make a living on rearing livestock? Oh no, we gave that up ages ago. So your livelihood now relies on crops? 
crops. Heavens no, you can't survive doing them. So, how are you making money on your farm? Barn finds. I'm sorry? Barn finds. You know, old cars, but found in a barn. It's all the rage. I'm sorry, I'm still not clear. Look, I'll show you. Over here, I got a Jag XJC. Now, just sitting there in my yard, that's worth £15,000. But that is before we barn find it. Um, what exactly do you mean by barn find it? We bung it in my barn, chuck some straw feathers and duck pool over it, leave it a couple of days, pull it out, advertise it as a rare barn find. Bob's your uncle, also your brother. 30 grand! Gareth Jones on So it's Formula One this weekend as the F1 circus arrives in Europe because Baku is a part of Europe that isn't in Europe. But this is the first time that Europe is in Europe. However, given that the first Formula One race at Baku was the European Grand Prix. Ah, yeah, yeah, Doesn't that suggest that Baku is sort of in Europe? Oh, but the European Grand Prix is like the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Australia is. Yeah, the European Grand Prix will be in Auckland next year. (laughs) Just because it's a moving event that you just sort of plonk the flag on whatever event you've added that Mm. year. I think Azerbaijan straddles both Asia and Europe. But Baku, the part of Azerbaijan that happens to be in Europe, so it is technically Europe, I'm teasing really. But hey, Barcelona, woo, it's going to be exciting, isn't it, Richard? Barcelona's your favourite race, isn't it? Ooh, so much overtaking. I've just realised I can't watch the race on Sunday because I'm going to be on a plane. Where you (laughs) You were smiling smiling when you said that. Do you know where I'm flying to as well? Barcelona? Long haul. Long haul flight. Uh, You're going to Barcelona the long way round. No. Uh, well, I don't actually know where I'm flying back from. America. South America. Scotland. Lo- Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Long haul. I'm on the red eye to Scotland. Oh. Ah, is it? I'm, I'm flying back from Scotland on Sunday. I'm, I'm going on Friday. Are you going on a Porsche driving thing? I am, yes. Uh, How did yeah. you know that? I know all sorts of things. Ah, yeah. Ah. I'm going to drive some Porsches, including my own. That should be fun. Ooh. In Scotland. So that'll be nice. And it means I won't be able to watch the race. And I suddenly thought, oh, that's a shame. I know it. It's Spain. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It's not well, but that ah, the only thing is the most exciting race. Only thing is, of course, the race at Hard Drive Backup was actually quite exciting, and then it was China unexpectedly became exciting, and the point where because I got up early, my daughter, who's nine months old, she woke up unexpectedly early. I thought this is perfect because I'll just get her up. Went and sat down in the kitchen, so I got my laptop and an iPad. I was watching the race on the iPad, so I could still do things on Twitter on, on the laptop. And then I was also feeding her breakfast. But I was like, oh, do you know what? This is going to be a bit of a snore fest, isn't it? So I just start spooning food into her face, and it takes as anyone who's had a baby knows. It sometimes takes ages to feed them because I don't know what goes on in their little heads. I suddenly realised there was a point at which I got completely distracted by the action on the track, and it was the fact that my daughter was there going, ah, <laughs> ah, and her mouth hanging over. Put fraud in here. Because I got totally, I was suddenly like, oh my god, this is turning into a proper race. Who yeah, knew? it was a proper race. Who knew that would happen? Yeah, yeah. Twice in a row, Baku as well was, well, was great well, yeah, in places. Well, okay, well, think of it this way because we've just had two. Such good races. Mm-hmm. The next one is bound to be disappointing anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we might as well have a disappointing race at a circuit that's always a bit disappointing. Yeah. Well, usually. As one that so, can you be know, good and, you know, let you down. Can, and yeah, then yeah. we'll be back, you know. It's about managing your expectations, right? Mm. Yeah, right. People say that. You notice people say that. Hey, yeah, right. Well, I don't know. Are you telling me that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be an overtake fest unless on the last lap, whoever's winning the race has another tyre. Blowout! Oh, you've got to 
feel for Valtteri, haven't you? Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty oh. tough. That was pretty tough. Also, because it spoiled. I know it wasn't going to happen anyway, but it spoiled my theory that he was going to come second in every race and win the championship. Oh yeah, yeah. The stalking horse of the world championship. Just by being really solid, yeah. reliable. Oh, do you never remember that time winning. that Vettel did this? God, do you remember when Hamilton came from like he was down in nineteenth at one point and he came and he won that race? And everyone will remember all these spectacular moments from the season that's squaring up to be quite a decent one. And then it goes, oh, he's the world champion. Uh, it's that Finnish bloke who hardly ever speaks. No, not that one. The yeah. other one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And is he still in F one? Yeah, he came second every race. Yeah. Oh. Statistically, a bit sort of Keki Rosberg style. Yes, yes. poor Valtteri. I love Valtteri. I really do. I, He's a solid chap, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, I, I think he answers questions intelligently and sweetly. He goes out of his way to be helpful. I like that about a person. Yeah, I, I think I, if you were running a team, he'd be well up your list of possible hires. Yeah. He wouldn't be above Lewis and above... Daniel Ricciardo. No, that's the thing. It's interesting when you put him with someone like Hamilton because when he was with Massa, you went, oh my God, Bottas is brilliant. Look, he's absolutely wiping the floor with Massa in that same car. But then he goes to Mercedes and he's with Hamilton, who is a sensationally good driver, like tippity top. And Bottas sort of is almost there, but you sort of feel like... He hasn't got that final. But then he, 1%. but he doesn't look so spectacular up against Hamilton. But he is yeah. still an having said that, good driver, I think, having so. said that, he was ahead of Hamilton for that entire race until his tyre blew. Well, and interestingly, yeah, he, he, well, that's he, the thing. He's good, isn't he? Solid. But also, there are times when he is quicker than Hamilton. It seems like there are these days or even sort of weekends where Mercedes are struggling just a little bit to get the car absolutely right. Maybe they're struggling with the tyres a little bit, mm. and. Sometimes in those circumstances, Bottas seems better able to get more out of the car than Lewis can, in fact. Mm-hmm. Is the expression cognitive dissonance, where you sort of believe something that's not quite correct because you've kidded yourself into it? What I'm trying to say is that you sort of believe that Hamilton sort of must in, I think be the better driver the because he's thing. got more flair and he's more erratic. And Bottas does a solid job all the time and so you sort of believe because he's not kind of flashy that he's not as good and maybe I'm doing him down here well, he gonna... is a safe pair of hands that's why I believe he'll come yeah. second every time mm-hmm. I mean I go back to what you said to come first would be showing off but I mean, but, oh. I, mean I, I, would ne- I would never say that for example you know, that Lewis Hamilton was erratic he is do you know what I mean though vo- he's got and, vo- volatile maybe yeah, or he, or the, 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 yeah there's something in his temperament there's something in his mental attitude in that he's not as robust, he's not as bulletproof as, I think, Fernando Alonso is, for example. Mm. Is he high maintenance? I don't know. One thing that struck me in that last race, and maybe the other times this season, that there seems to be something in Hamilton's attitude at the moment where he almost seems to be sort of trying to find fault in himself and in the team. Yeah. And demanding high standards, being hypercritical, is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it's one of the reasons that he is such a good driver, is that mm. he demands and expects absolutely astonishing performance from himself and from the team. I just got the feeling that recently... He's just sort of slightly on the other side of a line where he's almost trying to find fault a bit too hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. he's there's something there that's just maybe possibly holding him back just a little bit. He was sort of magnanimous. Well, not even magnanimous. He was generous with his words after that race. With Bottas. Saying, yeah, yeah, and, that, I, and, and that I admire him for that. I think it was, to, you know, the, this uh, is, he'd taken someone else's victory and he couldn't yeah. really enjoy it. Yeah. But he also used it to do what I think the, the kids would call a sick burn on, I presume it was Rosberg, that <laughs> he was aiming at. Went, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, went, yeah. yeah, some drivers are happy to take a victory they've inherited. 
and <laughs> play with their own. But not me. I don't do that. I, 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 I think you're right. That, like was that. Was just a, yeah. that was just a yeah, Rosberg sitting in front of his 96-inch telly in his place in Monaco. Throwing, going, oh, come on! Throwing baseball caps at the television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about Rosberg, slight aside, I was sent a lovely email today by Andrew Tunnicliffe, who's a listener in New Zealand, who'd heard our show where we'd be discussing what car you'd drive if you were a Formula One team driver. And he pointed me towards like a video... Chris Amon, for example. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Regular yeah. drivers. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But he pointed me towards a Nico Rosberg video where Nico showed us around his lovely 300 Gullwing SL. Mm. And you'd love this, Richard, because you know how Nico Rosberg struggles to get out of Oh, Formula God, don't cars. tell me he can't get in and out of road cars now as yeah. well. <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. He opened the Gullwing door, he got into and fell into it, going, oh, 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 please watch that video. It's actually on Nico Rosberg's YouTube channel. Richard, I've got to show it you. You would love it. So thank you, Andrew, for that. By the way, anyone, if you've got anything you want us to talk about, do email us and let us know. But, yeah, Nico Rosberg does What's Lewis, the email address, Gareth? You oh, say it now. Oh, oh, very good. It's on speed at garethjones.tv. On speed at garethjones.tv? Yes, that's right. On speed at garethjones.tv. We welcome your input. We do. But Nico Rosberg, does Lewis still need to burn Nico Rosberg? He doesn't need to, but I'm sure that if he sees an opportunity, he'll he grab does. it happily. You know, is he insecure? But, what uh, is all that about then? Well, no, bit, surely, I didn't enjoy but, that. I thought, well, that's a bit... Yeah. It is a bit petty, yeah. yeah, yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. But look, on other things, we've got to talk about Ricardo and Verstappen. Mm. <laughs> oh, I loved Christian Hornier's tone as Ted was following. Ted was trying to get an interview from him as he left the pit wall to go and talk to the drivers. I've oh, yeah. never seen Christian Horner look like a Viking before. He looked like a berserker he about was, to go mm, into mm, into He was battle. fairly focused on... Giving somebody a tongue lashing at the very least. Oh, they were made to apologise to the whole team. Did you yeah, know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, stand there naked, apologise, go on. Well, fair enough. And it's a racing incident. It was bloody good telly to watch it and go, oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people who work really hard to put those cars yeah. together. And now they've yeah. got to put them together again. And got so, to... yeah. And, and, Sorry. And, and they were denied results as yeah. a result of cars yeah, yeah, together. Thing, so, I mean, apart from else, the people who've done all the carbon fibre work and all that are kind of going, oh, thank God's sake, we've got to do that again. <laughs> but also, the team does well. If it wins the championship, particularly everybody who works at Red Bull, or a lot of the teams, gets a cash bonus. And yeah. it's like, mm. it's a few grand, I think, each. Yeah, yeah so it's yeah. worth... Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's their watching a no points finish for the team from that race they're also going oh, not really, not, kitchen extended yeah. oh, for <laughs> god's sakes damn right they should apologise it doesn't cost anything to apologise does it but it should it should carry some weight and I would love exactly. to have seen it because yeah. I imagine yeah. Ricardo's apology was effusive and sincere and he charmed them and he meant it and I imagine Verstappen was like a sixth form of getting caught smoking behind the bike sheds and having to apologise <laughs> I know what you mean, but to be fair to Verstappen, <laughs> in his post-race interview, or the, mm. the one that I saw, I thought he was actually quite kind of mature and I quite... I didn't see it, in really sort okay, of quite, No, no, he really was. No, I, I was surprised at how kind of balanced and mature he was about it. Mm. And he wasn't, wasn't in denial. He, you know, accepted that they screwed up and they shouldn't have done that. And, you know, in his body language as well. It was six and one um, half a dozen of the other, actually. Well, be I don't think so. I don't think I so. Mean, they're no, both no, to blame because... They were both to blame, but yeah. Verstappen was more to blame. And, yeah. and, and you could, it he, was, you know, 75-25. cheeky swerving going on there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Ricardo yeah, was coming absolutely. in hot and then, you know, was, was mm. Coulthard was pointing out on the coverage that that close up the chuff of another car, he's got zero downforce yeah. on his front wing and because yeah. that's going to yeah. affect his braking. And yeah. He yeah. knows that. Both to blame, I reckon. Yeah. And they'd been warned earlier in the race, both of them, cool it, calm it, don't. 
do anything that's going to cost us the race, and they did it. Yeah, and that's well. And I mean, you worst know, scenario. To Red Bull's credit, and you know, other teams will do this as well. You know, to Red Bull's credit, you know, they do let their drivers race, mm. and if you're going to do that, you've got to trust your drivers to handle that responsibility, mm. mm-hmm. and they just didn't get it right. That said, up until that point, and it wasn't a huge black mark. I've been particularly impressed this year by just how good Ricardo has been at his overtaking and it's interesting to compare him to Verstappen I think in that they're both tremendously fast tremendously exciting drivers both very aggressive and very good at taking the opportunities to have a go and overtake Mm. Mm -hmm. but Ricardo is just that little bit better at in the split second when he's executing the move and you know in the heat of the battle at just making that fine judgment about just how far he can go or just how late he can leave coming mm. off the brake. Or, Incredibly he, late breaker, isn't he? I mean, phenomenally. If yeah. he goes to the back of another car, that's too late. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just that much more likely than Verstappen to make that dramatic, exciting move. And a split second later, he's through. And mm. you kind of almost don't know how he did it. Yeah. Whereas what, with Verstappen, there'll be some contact. Yeah, but what a shame uh, they yeah, weren't it's, driving it's, those LMP1 hybrid Toyotas at Spa and took each other out, <laughs> and then Rebellion could have won, or someone else. The thing is, you're absolutely right, it's a really good point, isn't it, about Ricardo is a sort of magician of overtaking. Verstappen, you can see how it's done. It's pure thuggery, isn't it? It's balls and aggression and skill, but not that fine, not that last 1% or 2% of judgment mm. to get it absolutely right and beautiful and smooth. Mm. And make it stick. Yeah. We love uh, them both, um, don't we? For different reasons, though. Maybe in the last years, but I've become increasingly in awe of Ricardo. Ricardo's a brain uh, surgeon, and Verstappen is a bone surgeon. <laughs> Only one of them uses saws and hammers. <laughs> nice. There was other stuff going on in that race that was worthy of note as well. Apart from the fact that three main players, I'm talking about Bottas, Verstappen, and Ricardo, were eliminated from the race in the closing stages, we had Charles Leclerc. Or Charles Leclerc, which I think is a correct way of pronouncing it, showing his mettle for the first time. Now, this lad has been extraordinary in F2. We used to call it GP2. And he's arguably better than Stoffel van Dorn, who was equally impressive in lesser formulae. But he's stuck in that dreadful Alfa Romeo. Oh, no, it's a Sauber. And at last, he scored points for Sauber, who danced a happy dance. I mean, Charles Leclerc is probably the chap who's going to replace Kimi Raikkonen, if not next year, then the year after. And I don't want Kimi to go. There's clearly lots of mileage in Kimi yet, isn't there? But if we had to lose Kimi, Charles Leclerc would give Il Fingeri the run for his money. He's a monogasque, isn't he, Leclerc, is he? I don't yeah. know whether he had seafood or not. Yes. They had a snake problem and they needed someone to pellet. What? Mongeese, I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Like, yeah. He is so, monogast, so yes. I, I did yes. need help getting there. Thank yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Richard. It's a gagging kit form, I liked it. it well, yeah. Yeah. on that note, something I was reminded of this week, great bit of trivia. Do you know the Di Tommaso Mangusta? Yes. Mangusta yes. is Italian for mongoose. Because oh, mongoose, oh, mongeese, yeah. I'm never quite sure mongoose is. Yeah, uh, they are these incredible animals who will have a go at a snake, mm-hmm. take on poisonous Being snakes. Very venomous, no, venomous, venomous yes. not poisonous. Yeah. Yes, really? beg your pardon, you're right. Of course, and the reason the mangusta was called the mongoose is because it was designed to smash the AC Cobra. To, yeah, to beat Cobras. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's And there's something that's now happening again in the modern Fantastic. world because the Dodge Demon, you see, this is an incredible Dodge Challenger with, what has it got, 800-something horsepower, supercharged V8s, Hemi. Same ones as that Hellcat, but it's been amped up even more, but the point of the Demon is it's a drag racing car and it's mm. supposed to be... Just tiny front wheels. Yes, that's um, it, right, yeah. yeah. 
Hennessy, the Texas-based tuner, has come up with a highly tuned Camaro, which is designed to smash the demon. It's called the Exorcist. Oh, I love that. Very good. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, that is good. And, of course, both of them are going to be beaten by a car called the Reason of Science. Okay, well, not quite, no, because I've got a Roush Jesus on the way. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> You've been listening yes. to Mr. Porter. Goodbye. To Mr. Ierson. Goodbye. And I'm with Mr. Jones. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!